In June 2017, the Supreme Court announced its decisions in Sandoz v. Amgen and Amgen v. Sandoz, cases that examined how makers of biosimilars and branded biologic drugs bring products to market. At issue was the so-called patent dance, a complex series of disclosures between biosimilar makers and the manufacturers of branded versions. In its decision, the court left it up to the states to decide whether to enforce the patent dance and how. Then, in December of 2017, the Federal Circuit ruled unanimously, siding with Sandoz and affirming the district court's dismissal of Amgen's unfair competition and conversion claims. As a result, state law claims are now preempted by the Biologics Price Competition and Innovation Act on both field and conflict grounds. Finnegan attorneys Sonia Sukduong and Tom Sullivan join us now to discuss the implications of the most recent decision. Tom, take us through the Supreme Court's ruling in June and the Federal Circuit's ruling in December. Well, previously, the U.S. Supreme Court held two things. First, that an injunction under federal law is not available to compel a biosimilar applicant to engage in the information exchange provision of the Biologics Price Competition and Innovation Act, or the BPCIA. And second that a biosimilar applicant may provide the required notice of commercial marketing either before or after receiving FDA approval. However, the court declined to rule on what, if any, remedies are available under a state law claim for a biosimilar applicant's failure to engage in the information exchange and remanded this issue to the Federal Circuit. In order to aid the Federal Circuit on remand, the Supreme Court stated that the panel was free to assume that a remedy under state law exists and may first decide whether the BPCIA preempts a state law claim. With this framework in place, a series of additional proceedings occurred. Sandoz requested a further remand to the Northern District of California to address this issue, citing the need for judicial efficiency by avoiding further appellate proceedings and claiming that a further remand would allow a California District Court to address questions of California state law, Sandoz also requested that, alternatively, the Federal Circuit recall its October 2015 mandate and order supplemental briefing to address the questions left open by the Supreme Court. The Federal Circuit chose to recall its mandate, thereby reinstating the appeal and vacated its prior July 2015 opinion. The appellate court also ordered supplemental briefing to address three issues. First, whether the BPCIA preempts additional remedies under state law for an applicant's failure to comply with the information exchange, two, whether Sandoz has waived any preemption defense, and three, whether California law would treat noncompliance with the information exchange as unlawful under its unfair competition or an act of conversion. In its supplemental briefing, Amgen argued that Sandoz waived its preemption defense and that in any case, the BPCIA does not preempt state law remedies for a biosimilar applicant's failure to comply with the information exchange provision. Sandoz argued that Amgen state law claims are preempted by the BPCIA, and even if Amgen's claims are viable, they fail on the merits. Two amicus briefs were submitted, one by the United States and the other by the Biosimilars Council. Both briefs generally supported the position taken by Sandoz, arguing that both field preemption and conflict preemption bar any state law remedy. In this decision, the Federal Circuit Panel of Judges Lori, Newman, and Chen assumed that a remedy existed under state law. With this assumption in place, the panel affirmed the district court's dismissal 
of Amgen state law claims. The Federal Circuit determined that while Sandoz did not forfeit its preemption offense, the BPCIA preempts state law remedies for a biosimilar applicant's failure to comply with the information exchange. In reaching its ultimate decision regarding preemption, the Federal Circuit held that both field and conflict preemption exist to bar any state law remedy. Sonia, what business implications do you expect to see in the biologics industry as a result of the Federal Circuit's decision? I think the major impact really came down with the Supreme Court decision that Tom mentioned earlier. But what we've seen recently is as of January 2018, there have been 23 ABLA applications or abbreviated BLA applications submitted by biosimilar applicants. Ten of those applications have been approved, but only four of those products are actually on the market. But as you can see from the Supreme Court's decision and I think the Federal Circuit's decision, the business of biosimilars is still moving forward at a very brisk pace, and the decision eliminating state law claims for a reference product sponsor to bring against a biosimilar applicant will further eliminate barriers to biosimilar applications, and in particular, biosimilar litigation under the BPCIA. So I think with respect to the business of biosimilars, the Federal Circuit's decision is is just going to further empower biosimilar applicants to file their applications, to move these litigations forward quickly, gain approval, and eventually bring these products onto the market. Tom, how does this ruling impact how quickly biosimilars can come to market? Well, as Sonia mentioned, the Federal Circuit's ruling and the whole case law from Amgen v. Sandoz really accelerates the timeline when a biosimilar can bring its product to the market. As an initial matter, the Federal Circuit's ruling does not affect the FDA's approval of the biosimilar. But unlike in the context of small chemical pharmaceuticals, when a reference product sponsor initiates a suit against a biosimilar applicant, it does not initiate a stay of regulatory approval for the biosimilar product. As a result, the primary mechanism keeping biosimilar products off of the market is the litigation process contemplated by the BPCIA. With these rulings, the biosimilar applicants can in turn expedite this litigation process by choosing to not engage in the patent dance. If the biosimilar applicant declines to share its submitted ABLA and manufacturing information, the reference product sponsor has the option to immediately file a declaratory judgment infringement action on any patent, which it believes a claim of patent infringement could be reasonably asserted. This declaratory judgment action could substantially accelerate the first litigation phase by eliminating nearly eight months of negotiations between the two parties over which patents to litigate. A second mechanism to shorten the suit under the BPCA would be to collapse the two phases of litigation into a single action in a scenario where the biosimilar applicant provides its commercial marketing notice contemporaneously with its ABLA filing. This would effectively collapse the 180-day waiting period prior to marketing into the corresponding litigation such that they run concurrently. While this merger would allow the reference product sponsor to assert the entirety of its patent portfolio in one suit without delay, it also allows an ABLA applicant to avoid waiting another 180 days before marketing its product once it receives FDA approval. Sonia, this has been a long-standing dispute. What are some of the biggest takeaways from the case? I think the biggest takeaway of this case, or actually two takeaways for this case, is one, 
the BPCIA, even though it's been in existence since 2010, interpretation of the statute is still ongoing eight years later. And both sides, both biosimilar applicants and reference product sponsors, are still feeling their way through as to the nuances of what the statute actually says and what it allows or does not allow a party to do. This particular line of cases involving Amgen v. Sandoz, the very first uh, biosimilar uh, litigation out of the BPCA, really set some big frameworks and milestones. And what it does is, is really provide the biosimilar applicant various options in moving forward after they file the ABLA. They can either comply with the BPCIA and go through the disclosure process and provide their ABLA to the reference product sponsor and go through that eight-month period that Tom had mentioned earlier and slow down the time period for which this litigation can occur. They can completely forego the disclosure period, accelerate the litigation, and force the reference product sponsor to file a suit you know, within a month or so of receiving notice of the ABLA application. And here we've seen biosimilar applicants take both routes, even though the Federal Circuit and Supreme Court says you don't need to disclose the ABLA. Some biosimilar applicants have decided to disclose the ABLA and go through that process. Some biosimilar applicants have decided not to disclose the ABLA and expedite that process. And that really goes to the business decisions that biosimilar applicants are making with respect to the specific product they are seeking approval in marketing. For instance, some biosimilar applicants for one product decided to forego the disclosure period, but that same biosimilar applicant for an entirely different product decided to comply with the disclosure requirement of the BPCIA. So again, we see that this decision really provides flexibility for biosimilar applicants and allows them to really dictate the pace of litigation and ultimately, as Tom mentioned, when they might be able to market their biosimilar product. Our guests have been Sonia Suktuong and Tom Sullivan, attorneys at Finnegan, one of the largest IP law firms in the world. For more commentary on intellectual property news and issues, to listen to other podcasts, and to receive additional information on the firm, please visit www.finnegan.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Finnegan.